Just a quick warning, when me and Tom get passionate or a bit nervous, we tend to swear more than usual. So just keep that in mind when you're listening to our podcast. He was, he went apeshit. I think he might have even thrown a laptop at someone. Okay, you definitely deserved it. I can, <laughs> I can see where this is. Poor old Silas. He kept on coming to work stoned. Pretty exclusive. I emailed them and they let me in. <laughs> and then you asked the butcher to duct tape bin bags of bread to your body like a donkey. I am a condiment connoisseur, that is fair. Now that, that's the story. That's something you could not do today. I'm Phil. I'm Tom. And we're the co-founders of Honest Burgers and this is the Honest Podcast. Why are we doing a podcast, Tom? We are ripping the plaster off the last 10 or so years of how Honest Burgers started in a muddy field in a tent outside of Brighton and is now a national burger chain with over 45 restaurants and over 900 people that work for us. Oh, we're going to be honest. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. This is a new episode um, of The Honest Podcast, and we have our very first guest, um, very special guest, because Adam Layton, who you are, his specific title is Head of Collaborations and you dabble in PR. Mm. But more than that, you are also a great taste judge. Certainly am. Which means you get to carry a badge with you. And you can whip it out yeah. whenever what? you need to badge no go. throw some what? clout. Yeah. What's this? <laughs> <laughs> there is there is a badge. It's in my bag. A great actually, taste. Yeah. Great, you know taste great taste awards, awards, judge. Yeah, I think I can see. Basically, the logo. means Adam, Adam has a superior palate to anyone else at this exactly, table. Yeah. It's pretty exclusive. I emailed them and they let me in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what does the what do your what does this role entail? Well, how, how onerous is it? My excuse. Well, well, I, mean, I only do like one session. I do two sessions a year. How many like condiments a, do you eat a week? Must be like outside. Well, this is uh, outside of. Uh, I mean, probably quite a lot, but it's not. It's not just condiments. Hang on, is it just condiments? Uh, no, no, no. It's not it just condiments. So you basically, uh, it's mostly condiments. What they do <laughs> is you. It's, it's a really rigorous process. You're a condiment connoisseur. I am a condiment connoisseur. That is fair. Um, I'm detecting an undertone of Tom's a little bit jealous, actually. No, I am. I'm massively jealous. Okay. I was a bit disappointed though, because the size of the badge, I was expecting like an FBI badge that you could literally like whip out. But it's oh, like, wow. it's, it's a, like a thumbnail. It's like a badge. Yeah. Look, like you're going to wear on your. It's a yeah, tiny, it's, it's probably. It's like, it's like a badge you get like a prefect badge at school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas I wanted, I wanted something girthy, something like. Okay, so you basically yeah. eat a lot of sauces. It's not just sauces. I don't know where that's come from. Well, but it's like there, there are, there are some sauces. Throw, in I'd there. say about 80% condiments. From my it's, very limited knowledge. Well, the good thing is I get to choose which. You get to choose your area of expertise. And one of them is chili, I think. I can't remember. I, I, basically, they, when you sign up, they give you a list, a checklist of things that you're happy to taste and be a judge on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is quite a rigorous process. What they do, it's a, it's a four-hour session, I think. You either do morning or the afternoon, and they give you like 30 things to try. But because they don't want it to be a comparison between two or three different things, so they wouldn't give you like three different smoked salmons. They give you like... Smoked salmon, madness, then sticky toffee it? pudding, then <laughs> hot sauce. And it's like really, really up and down and random. But it's a good, and you're, you're always with a professional, normally a journalist who can try and extract what you think about it. So I'm, I'm there for the kind of palette amongst 30 other judges. What's the wankiest word you said in describing something? Oh, God. I, I wouldn't know off the top of my head now. But I mean, I'm, I think... Susan of... No, no, don't Chardonnay. go like that. No, but you do have, I mean, some of the... I, 
the two judges I've been paired with, one of them was a wine writer, and she, she had the, the, the lexicon mm. for all these different things. Yeah, maybe a bouquet. You How do say. you use the word moist? <laughs> Liberally. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, Adam's intro done. Great taste judge sat at our table. Big moment for this podcast. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, this is where we know the podcast is going to go like that. <laughs> It's nice to have a guest as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I'm sure people are fed up with just hearing our voices all the time. Possibly. So. I am. We are going to have other guests as well, aren't we, in the show? Yeah, so, definitely. Um, Loads of guests featuring. Um, so, yeah, it's not just going to be the Phil and Tom show. Oh, and yeah, the other guest is a big lorry that just drove past. Yeah. Um, <coughs> it's a we'll lovely summer's day. That's why the windows are open. But let's get, let's get them closed. So, basically, today we want to talk about food, Honest, which is obviously quite a big part of us because we are a restaurant business that sells food. So, what what is our food? Like, for how does our food begin for you, Phil? What's your biggest memory? Oh, blimey. Because I think it's very good to say that neither of us were chefs when we set this up. None yes. of the people at this table are actually chefs. I think we talked we we talked in other podcasts about simplicity being a real thing for us, but it was it wasn't so much a this is what we care about. We do care about simplicity. It was almost an, a necessity, I would say. We have because <laughs> none simple of us simple understanding yeah, of food. <laughs> neither of us were coming off the back of years and years experience in, in a kitchen. Um, just a sort of a healthy love of cooking and eating nice, wholesome kind of food. Particularly you. I mean, you, you have a you're sort of more of a chef than me for sure. So. Yeah, and I, think I think, yeah, my overriding sense is that actually we wanted to do something simple so the food had to be simple and then speak for itself, right? So but that's the thing. I think that's the best thing. We didn't realise we were doing it at the time, which, again, is one of the reasons it's the best thing is the simplest food for me is always the best. Like, I, I've, I've definitely got a yep. place in my heart for, like, you know, going and having, like, a fucking 20-course taster menu every few years but yeah exactly. that kind of you know when you try something that you literally can't even wrap your head around it it's like a, you kind of marvel at it but that's not no. that's not food i really want to eat all the time like, i just want to eat simple great quality ingredients cooked well and that's what the the menu honest and you know i i think about how we devised recipes back in the early days and i remember some of them where we genuinely just took nice big round numbers like one kilo or 500 mil. And we just like, doop doop do pour it in. We did it for our lemonade. We just did, I think it was a kilo of, uh, a, th- a liter of lemon juice, a kilo of sugar. And we chucked a load of, of lemons in there and just boiled it up. Bit we of ginger. Like, yeah, bit of ginger. We were like, amazing, lemonade syrup. Yeah. And did very similar with our pickle recipe. We did lemonade though. Do you know why we did lemonade? Where that came from? Because life gave us lemons. <laughs> Well, rosemary salt gave us lemons, to, this be, is true. to be specific. So yeah. we were making rosemary salt with a bit of lemon zest, as you know, rosemary and salt. And you've got all these zested lemons sat there and not wanting to be frivolous with our ideas, wasn't it? I Yeah, you... I was like, well, let's just make a nice little homemade lemonade. And we sort of made, I remember it was Brighton Food Festival, I think we first did it. <laughs> and I just made a little jug of lemonade and stuck it on the front. And it was like, grab a glass, one pound, fill it up. Yeah. That's the burger sauce as well, wasn't it? A little bit of this, a little bit of that. And a lot of sauces. Yeah. The best sauce was back, Backyard Mayo I did, where I genuinely just kept on adding things to it until it tasted nice. And I would, <laughs> like must have added all sorts of stuff. There's about 12 ingredients in it. But yeah, no, I think it's, it's important to say that the food, like none of us are chefs, but I definitely had more, I spent more time in the kitchen, obviously, in the early days, and I sort of created the, um, the menu and it was definitely more my passion. Your passion was the people side of things, wasn't it? And 
Yeah, the ops. And the, the cultural side and the ops. Front of house, yeah. So we went from obviously a very simple menu when we first started out, which is our menu's still simple now, but our menu back then was even more simple. You know, we had we had one chicken, we had one veggie option, we had no vegan options, and we had three beef options, didn't we? We had beef, cheddar, and honest. Honest, yeah. That was it. Yeah, trivia didn't happen for a little while, did it? Yeah. So, so, so the the menu was always based around just super simple ingredients, um, really great quality um, meat. That was the you know one of the major things, and you know our, our our meat kind of quest in the early days was pretty significant, right? Yeah, I mean, you uh, that's when you asked me one of my earliest memories, and there's definitely a story I want to tell about Brixton and you cycling around London for beef, but like. I remember you going into butchers in Brighton and just yeah. getting laughed at, basically. Yeah, do you remember that guy in fucking like down in Kempton? What was it called? It? Begins with B. The really cool butchers, but he we genuinely said his exact words were. I remember I said to him, "I want, would you would you supply us with burger mints? Because um, we 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 didn't know about chopping back then. We'd like we want some some mince for burgers, and I want it to be twenty percent fat. And yeah, that was the key. Literally, was like, I wouldn't put my name to that, son. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't put my name to that. No, not a chance. And I was like, "Yeah, okay, cool." And that was that. We just kind of walked out. Yeah, and you tried three or four, I think, at least, didn't you, in Brighton before yeah. we landed on? Um, can't remember his name now. Manny. Remember yeah, that? it was, wasn't Manny. it? Manny. That just boom. Yeah, uh, just in Hove, wasn't it? Um, and he was like, "Yeah, boys, whatever you want." And that was that. That was that. But yeah, no, I think so. How we started with the with our meat in general was, you know, when when we moved. So this is one quick story I'm going to say. When we moved, when we got Brixton ready to go, and I was sort of in charge of of getting the menu sorted, getting the food sorted, while we were kind of just sort of building the restaurant. And I had the same problem in London, where I was going around to all these people, didn't really have anything to to show or or talk about. We didn't have an open restaurant, so I was going to all these well, butchers. To be clear as well, you'd gone to you'd basically Google the top twenty butchers in London. So your your net, yeah, your your there's fishing, a list. You, I can't remember. I found it. It's called like the the something Guild, which is like old school, really good butchers in London. There was a long list of them, and I was like, cool. I'm just going to work my way down this list and just keep going. And went to all these all these shops. Um, and I went to like, should I name names? Why not? I went to the um, Moans in Moans in Clapham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went to there, laughed me out the door. Um, went to HG Walters, and I actually know the guys at HG Walters now um, relatively well. And he said he absolutely bollocked his dad for it because I spoke to his dad, who's old school, and his dad was like, "Nah, not interested." But his son now runs it, and he was like, "Oh, I fucking love to to supply honest burgers." But um, so yeah, we lost. We went to HG Walters, same conversation. The first butcher who I I actually decided to phone people because I was walking in with my fucking bicycle helmet and being like, hello. Um, and that's when they just weren't taking me seriously. So instead I decided to start calling people and putting on like a deep baritone voice, getting some serious conversations. And actually, funnily enough, so I phoned the, the ginger pig um, and the first... I don't think Tim Wilson had ever answered the phone in the subsequent, like, a million times I phoned them. But I phoned them that morning, and he answered the phone. Um, and I was like, want to talk about commercial beef supply, blah, blah, blah. He was in. He was supplying Hawksmoor at the time with all their steaks, so he actually was really looking for someone to supply burgers with because of all the forequarter, and was like, yeah, cool, would love to work with you. 
And that was that. And then I had um, basically got, thought I'd sort of got that ticked off. Me, Phil and Dor had tried the meat and we were like, it's incredible. Um, really great backstory with Ginger Pig, really great brand. We thought this is, this is perfect. And then I kind of left it until about two weeks before we were due to open our doors. Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided to do all the admin stuff and all the paperwork. And I sent it off to Tim and then he calls me straight away and was like, Tom, you didn't tell me that you guys were based in Brixton. And I was like, so fucking what? It's London, baby. Like we're all, we're all in this thing together. And he was like, no, I can't deliver you meat to Brixton. And I was like, why not? And he's like, well, cause you're only buying like 15 quids worth of beef mints. I'm not gonna <laughs> send a guy to fucking um, to Brixton and from Marlebone to Brixton is like, you know, an hour and a half ain't gonna happen. So yeah, my immediate thought process was I need to shield my mistake from Phil and Dor. I'm going to just do this myself. Um, and if for any EHOs listening, which that's an environmental health officer, cover your ears now. I decided in the very early days, <laughs> I, think it's I think it was a statute of limitations. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to cycle to Marlebone and back with a cooler bag on my back and basically just put the beef mints in this cooler bag and then cycle back to Brixton while Phil was tucked up in bed. There are about three people who have very serious jobs in honest crying right now, aren't there? This is 10 years ago. <laughs> so long ago. It's, we've learned from our, our errors. But yeah, yeah that, that, you, that made it work, right? Yeah, you cycled every, to, to your credit, you did. You cycled every, every morning and picked up meat. And of course, we were getting busier. Pretty much well, I think day, that's the daily. Reason I thought really. it was doable because I thought it was going to. We genuinely thought. Remember, well, it was like we did 200 a, burgers a week. We did We'd, a break even on yeah. 200 burgers a week, and I think we did 120 burgers on our very first Thursday evening. So yeah, we were we were way out. Yeah, we were way off, and uh, the bag was getting heavier and heavier. And I bruises on my shoulders. Yeah, and this is my favorite story. One of my favorite stories of all time about honest, actually, or, or certainly about you, is that that day where the buns hadn't been delivered. Oh yeah. Uh, either so you've come in in the morning to get your backpack on and cycle off for the beef and you realize the buns aren't there yeah, so you normally you... wait there's a big pile of bread yeah. just waiting for you so you call the bread factory or whoever it was maison maison de pan maybe at the time yeah and um they're like oh yeah sorry we're like we're in central london we can we can bring to a couple hours you're like well i'm going to central london just drop them off at marlebone and i'll get the buns stick them on my back and the beef and take that back on my bike and we have photos of this, which definitely should be uploaded um, into whatever format we can, because this, this is real. I promise you this is a real story. Um, so off he goes and uh, puts about 18 kilos of beef by this point, because we are getting busy. So it's not a small amount of beef in the old bag. And then you ask the butcher to duct tape bin bags of bread right. to your body yeah. like a donkey. <laughs> uh, and there is an amazing photo, which unfortunately we don't have because the butcher took it on his phone. Um, where you're sort of stood, sort of, you know, with your arms out and these yeah. like gaffer taping like, buttons. Strap it to my body. Around you, yeah. And you jumped on your bike and cycled it back. Like I remember cycling. It was windy horse. as fuck that day. And it was genuine. <laughs> I had like a sail of, of bread, of ruck yeah. pack, of, of rucksack yeah. and, and bread on my back. So then you arrive at the restaurant and I'm there and I'm like, this is great effort, man. But the buns are absolutely wrecked. I mean, yeah. you've just squished, you just squished 200 buns into two bin bags yeah. and strapped them to your body. My so. simple brain though, I just needed to, to get it back. That's all I needed to do. Yeah. Like that yeah, was, yeah. A, that was a victory for me. Yeah. I do think though, if some, imagine if some poor soul had knocked me off my bike that day and I'd have like hit the ground and then just 
Imagine. 20 kilos of beef mince just went splat. Like <laughs> what they would have thought. And then they'd have opened up the bag of buns and gone, oh. Oh, this guy's fucking fruity. But it, it was a huge turning point because that the photo of you getting gaffer taped up from the butcher's phone, he sent that to, I think, Tim Wilson or head office yeah, he or something. Yeah, Tim. So I, like, we hadn't actually met Tim at this point. It was all no. done all over the phone. He was, And he, he actually didn't let us put the ginger pig on our menu at that stage because he was like, I'll supply beef mince. I haven't got a clue who you are <laughs> and your business might be shit. Fair so enough. I don't want to do it. So, yeah. so it's when he, he he realized that we were buying, we started to buy quite a bit off him. Yeah. He came, then he got sent that photo. Then he came to London and he's old school, Tim. Like he, he's... Doesn't like London, does, does he? Doesn't come to London very often, even though he's got a lot of businesses down there. He's got a beautiful farm up in Yorkshire. He was just chilling out. He jumps on a train, comes down, meets us both. We try, give, we give him a burger and he sees this tiny little shoebox restaurant in Brixton and was just, then he was like all in. It's like, you guys yeah. are great. We want to keep on with this. Started delivering to us the next week, didn't he? So yeah. no more bike. And that that is again, because there's no way you could have kept that up and we'd have had to find some other solution. I dare say we would have considered a more local supplier. I don't know what we'd have done, but. Oh no, the irony is our restaurant in Brixton is next to a butcher's. Literally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like we share a wall. Yeah. But, yeah, not, <laughs> not the right butchers. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, think, I, can't, I think that's one of the most important things in the first, certainly in the first year of Honest, because we uh, we rock up in Little Brixton Market with a burger. We're actually saying to people, here's where we get our meat from. Yeah, that was huge. Which was different. No that was one... the first time I'd seen it, especially in the burger world. You know, there were other, you know, a couple of other burger places that were kind of the new wave, but no one was, like Ginger Pig, I think I hadn't heard of Ginger Pig until, because they didn't have a, shop near me i think the, the, the clapham one opened maybe a bit after i was yeah. there perhaps uh but yeah i mean between honest and hawksmore i mean that for me that in, in the foodie circle i think that made it a household name for for a lot of londoners definitely i mean every review we had mentioned it wouldn't just be the honest burger it wouldn't just be honest burgers it would be honest burgers supplied by the ginger pig you know dry aged meat blah, 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 you know, yeah no, it was a huge point it was just a good a good partnership of brands isn't it So how did you find out about us then, Adam? And what's your, why don't you give a little intro on your kind of history in food in London? Yeah, so I was living in Clapham at the time. So I had, so I'd previously, I'd been living in Crouch End for about three years and had a breakup with a long-term girlfriend. And I, I moved to oh, Clapham, which sad. was the, uh, you know, the only place I knew before. But I lived in Clapham first and then I moved to Crouch End. And then I, so I moved back and I, I was just like sunbathing on the common one day. And this um, bald, stocky Cornishman loomed over me one day and uh it was my friend matt who's uh who's also known as the cornwall project now uh but oh, he yeah. he he was basically he would say that you know, he was a lot more than this but he, he would say he was a you know van driver from cornwall to london bringing uh the philip warren's beef to about 20 different michelin star restaurants really high-end you know really great quality beef uh so he was you know, the ledbury and you know james Nappitt's restaurants so all of those kind of things mm. really high caliber um but he had access to the, the sous chefs and the, the junior chefs coming through. So he would basically take Ledbury chefs, put them in a pub in Clapham on a Sunday when they weren't working and do kind of not, wouldn't copy the same menu, but, you know, be a very more, much more like pub kind of menu yeah. of, of things. And I thought this is genius. And it was a pub near my house, the Clapham Manor Arms, I think it is, down you know where the, where the high street meets the KFC and then you go down that road. There's Bread and Roses down there as well. There's a couple of good pubs. Yeah, yeah, I know them. Uh, so every Sunday, I just found myself just eating this amazing food from these like amazing chefs on their way up, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds. And he, he just said he needed some PR. I was working in financial PR at the time. So he just said to me, uh, you know, I need some help promoting this. So I did. This is after you worked at Foxton's? 
Foxton's was my first job. Yeah, I did okay. my six months yeah. to get into London. Yeah, I just yeah. graduated. God, I saw. I think I saw. I did not thing. know you went to Foxton. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. I uh, got the sack from Foxton. So. <laughs> oh mate, <laughs> God. Uh, and it, why? What did you do? What did you uh, do? Well, that, like nothing. I think that was the problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> didn't it didn't sell anything. Yeah. yeah. No, I worked. I worked in the Ealing branch, and uh, there was a so the guy that I was quite. I was well liked within within the team, but that kind of bought me time while I wasn't selling anything. <laughs> so uh, I think that one of the final. Well, I don't know if it was the final straw or an early straw, but um, my manager at the time, Simon, who I was close with, a really good guy, he got shingles and was off work for three weeks. I had shingles. Rubbish. He was he was off for three weeks, and uh, the one of the directors came in just to see how the, the store was doing, and he discovered that we'd turned the upstairs into like a ping pong table, and uh, he came in and he went absolutely apeshit. He had all he he was I won't name his name because everyone will, will know, but he had almost like Hitler esque kind of hair, like side parting kind of thing, and he went when he it was almost like that scene in Downfall where Hitler's like fringe just like shaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He went apeshit. I think he might have even thrown a laptop at someone. Didn't you say <laughs> that when you when you do something good at that estate agents that, that they give you a bottle of champagne? Oh, but instead man, of man, man, this is giving yeah. you a bottle of champagne, they throw it at you. you yeah, yeah this is all true. It. This is all true. I mean, the Foxtons camaraderie was pretty fun. It was a bit. Uh, hello. When I went into Foxtons, I hadn't appreciated that you know, all walks of life come in there. You just have to be good at good at selling. And so there was it was it was like a classroom. It was like coming out of university and then going back into year ten classroom where. You've got uh, uh, what they call, you know, a support teacher in. That was basically yeah. the vibe. Um, and uh, yeah, when you do your first deal, so everyone, so you got, you, Foxton's at the time was divided into four regions. We were in the southwest, so every Friday you'd have a convoy. It was really good marketing, actually. Everyone from like Ealing, Chiswick, wherever, had, and Richmond had to go and meet in the Kingston office. So five o'clock rush hour every Friday evening, you'd see these convoys of these like jockey-coloured minis and stuff. I had a nice one. I had a Mini Cooper. 1.6, I think it was pretty pretty nice uh, when they were brand new. And um, so you get to see this convoy. And anyway, you go down for this first deal and it, it's either humiliating or, or brilliant because you basically have to, it's like a register and you have to say what you've got, your pipeline is and what you're, what you're selling. Name and shame. Name and shame. And that, like so many weeks I went there and had to go no, no, which meant no deals, nothing in the pipeline. And so it was, it, was, it was really, really humiliating. But then when you do your first deal, uh, they yeah they throw a bottle of champagne at you but you have to walk so you you first deal you come up to the front and it's like uh the room is you know like 50 feet wide and you they basically you know if, you, if you're a bloke they will do it from as far away as they can get away with and like but not just normal throwing it like spinning it and i've seen people like almost getting knocked out you know they take especially with girls they kind of went a bit easy but with guys you know the cockier they thought you were they would really lump it at you it's quite a, quite an aggressive like because champagne is is oh, compressed heavy. as well right it's like yeah. gas. Have you ever bro broken a bottle of champagne? Yeah, I mean it basically explodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they absolutely lump it. <clears throat> I I just think I caught mine. Maybe it was a fumble and catch, but it definitely caught mine. And I think that you know, but you'd get big bruises. A lot of the guys would get really wallets. Maybe they don't do it anymore. This was like 10 or, 10 or so years ago. Okay, anyway, to bring... But that was my uh, sixth brilliant brilliant story. So, okay. uh, then how, how do you... Because the reason that me and you met was our Honest did some time at Street Feast, mm. which is a real shame that that Street Feast is no more. Because I think Street Feast basically launched street food in the UK. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's a maybe that's a 
Yeah. In, in, in that format where it was like maybe not launched, mm. but I think it it, na- it nailed it. It's it, yeah, it made, it, it, made it, it really cool. It, it made, made it, 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 it elevated it to a point where it was like a really fucking cool space with yeah. really great traders. You know, obviously there were people selling food on the street long before street feast, but in terms of like a really cool space to be, and and obviously they they attracted tens of thousands of people. Um, yeah, so to, to Street Feast credit, they, they attracted tens of thousands of people, right? And you, mm. what did you do at Street Feast? So at Street Feast, uh, so I had, uh, JD, Jonathan Downey, who's the, one of the founders of Street Feast, he, he had a, uh, a venue that was on my, the, the office where I worked at at the time. And uh, he knocked on the door, asked me why I wasn't working in food, basically, because I was, I was at this point, I'd been doing loads of pop-ups and stuff, and I'd, I'd done a couple of newspaper articles for The Standard. And I was like desperate to, for an avenue to get into food. And he was like, do you want to come uh, and, and be head of marketing for my group? So he had Street Feast, but he also had a, 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 bar, a group of bars and restaurants called the Rushmore Group, which included Milk and Honey and uh, Giant Robot on Clark and Clarkenwell Road yeah. and a few other venues. And it was really cool. I mean, there was, you know, at the time it was the, you know, Milk and Honey won World's Best Bar twice. And I think, you know, no, no one's really come close uh, since. Um, so, so it was, uh, yeah, I got to, got to meet Jonathan. He, uh, he needed someone to market this venue at the time. It was a gazebo on Brick Lane. The very first one we did was uh, like literally a, a grubby white gazebo just opposite where Smokestack is now on Sclater Street, which was just a metal bin with cans of Red Stripe in and ice dumped over and f- four traders. Um, you know, Yumbun, I think, was one of the traders. You know, so some, some traders have, been, have gone the distance. Mm. Uh, and it was really like... I think just something just sparked. It went from being, I think, you know, one of the, uh, Dom, who was one of the other founders, he was a club promoter before. So it was all of that, you know, JD had the bars, Dom had the club kind of vibe. They'd worked together on a, on a venue in, in Shoreditch years previous. But it just became like, it was the new club for people that had kind of moved on from going to Fabric and stuff. It was like the new kind of place to be. You could go and get pissed and you could chat with your mates. But it was kind of anchored by this amazing food and people bonding over incredible food. Yeah. And uh and not just, you know, we were talking about how none of us are chefs, but none of these Street Feast guys were chefs, really. I mean, you had, uh, you know, Zan from Bleecker. She was an early early trader at Street Feast. She was a lawyer who'd, who'd uh, just really wanted to do burgers. So she that's like, why there was so much passion and energy there, wasn't that's it? That's what's so like, good about street food. It's like this one thing, do it yeah. well, like mama's recipe or the, something from your own culture that you want to bring here. Like it's something that you just really want the world to eat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, like like a it reason, it's got a reason for being. Does that make yeah. sense? And I don't, Instead I don't of like, be over the top, because but. the it kind of lures people in, doesn't it? Because if to open a restaurant, if you're a lawyer or like Dan was maybe, and you're going to open a restaurant, like that's a big, scary commitment. Yeah. tons of money, tons of ops, tons of fucking scary licenses, and all these things. And you're like, never going to do that. But street fees kind of lures you in because you're like, I could do that, and it gives people the confidence to actually chase their dream. And then realize that actually it's not as difficult as maybe I once thought in terms of opening a restaurant or trying to get a bit further in. Think about the, I also think now that what that also gives you as a brand starting out is so many firewalls. It gives you such a strong identity that if Mm. you can keep that as you grow, which is something we've tried to do and, you know, with varying degrees of success, I would say, but we've really tried to protect those street food kind of roots. And I'd, I'd, I'd say, I'm a big believer that the world the rest, world needs more restaurants that started on the street as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's the, it's I think that it, whole thing we always say, like there's some concepts you can literally like smell the boardroom and the, the, the marketing agency the money, that came the money. out and the money. And, yeah. and that doesn't always necessarily mean 
you'll get the best concept out of it. Whereas in street food, you generally start with very little. So yeah, cooler boxes these, and cable ties, man. Yeah, it's yeah, like, exactly. You create this mindset and this like hyper-focused approach on what you serve because you're in a, in a marquee or in a little trailer. So you can't have a massive menu if you wanted to. And, exactly, and that's result, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You're forced down a road, whether you want to or not, but you do want to yeah. because that's what street food is about. But you're forced to be simple. You're forced to focus on quality because there's nothing quite like cooking something that you really care about and you're passionate about and put literally blood, sweat and tears into. You know what <laughs> I mean? directly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you hand it to someone and you watch them often take their first bite still like in front of you like that. that like so, this, like a kind of... Yeah. Well, the, the kind and of epicenter at Street Feast, like all the, you know, we had amazing traders. The Dalston Yard was our flagship. We had 24,000 square feet in an old burnt out warehouse just on Dalston, Maine. Like, that right, was right awesome. That, that, was, that was our first time we yeah, traded. That was where, that, yeah, you, it, yeah. You, you traded there. And, uh, but you That's know, everyone. I, I got called a see you next Tuesday by a fellow stood about eight feet away from me with a megaphone. Why? Well, <laughs> I don't know. To Did you day. deserve it? <laughs> I don't think so. We couldn't get our van. There was basically such a long backlog of Okay, you lorries. definitely deserved no, it. No, 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 no. <laughs> I can see where There was a backlog of vehicles to get in to, to, street, to the, um, the, the yard. So we were just parked up at the back and the time was ticking and it was getting to like midday or whatever where we had to trade. I was like, mate, I'm not carrying like all our stuff from basically the, the entrance to the farthest corner, but I can't get the van in. So we waited until we, we could get the van in. But by this time, the man with the megaphone was very angry mm. and was running short oh, yeah, temper. Frequent occurrence. I think, yeah, yeah, I mean, I I genuinely pissed myself. I was like, you don't need a megaphone. I can hear every word you're saying. But uh, yeah, at that, that time, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015, there was just, all, you know, all the best traders were there. Bredos, Pete's Pilgrims were there, and but it was all, all the founders were there as well. You know, it was a. Uh, there definitely was um, a change when when people started to have multiple sites and the you know teams of two founders would often be split and then sometimes there'd always be like one site that was kind of you know unloved and that kind of thing. But Dalston Yard had you know if you were a founder of the business you were probably there, even if you were there to kind of enjoy the hospitality. You were, well, yeah, you were I mean Smokestack is is a huge Smokestack was amazing. There, I, mean, he, yeah. I remember he he pitched to me and uh, Jonathan that what he wanted to do. So he. Uh, David, the founder of Smokestack, he'd had a, a career in fine dining, and so he'd had yeah, he'd rocker, through, yeah. yeah, rocker. But previously, he'd worked at the Four Seasons in Beverly Hills, and he'd I think he'd worked for Ramsey at some point. Uh, but yeah, he had a really strong vision of what he wanted. And he showed us a picture of this four and a half like ton to see smoker. David and Ramsey go toe to toe, yeah, because mm. he's a fucking unit. David, David. Him, yeah. David would <laughs> squish him, but I would like to think Ramsey would still probably yeah. give him some shit, yeah. Shout out to David and uh, Manteca. I was just there last week. Yeah, That's my new it was favorite. epic. I've eaten really that. Uh, but yeah, so, so David, he sent us this picture that he'd um, on his iPhone saying, I'm going to buy this four and a half ton smoker. I think it was called Bertha, but I might be wrong, uh, from Texas. And it was like, have, it, was a, it was a big, big it thing. Like a it steam like train. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, was like a train. Yeah. Locom- it was a train, yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, he just knew exactly what he was doing. And he would do, I think he was doing like 900 covers an evening, which was you know record for, for any of the traders that were there. Crazy, in, that, in that kind yeah. of four hour window, five till nine Blimey. mostly. 900. But smoking for like 16 hours. And you know, he put, the, the, you have to have a feel. I think to be a pit master, you really have to have a feel for the product and know it yeah. really intimately. And he just, he nailed it. He, you know, he worked long, long hours and long nights to, to do that. And, uh, and also yeah, something takes 16 hours to cook. Yeah. Like just and you have to nurse it. You have to be. Yeah, yeah. You have to like. There's no going back, is there? Do you know what I mean? It's, like, it's not like you can be like, okay, I messed it up. Mm. Start exactly. again. 
even just like menu, like recipe development, when it takes 16 hours to get there is a ball ache. But anyway, so so obviously you worked at Street Feast. That's where Honest did a few National Burger National Days Burger, there, didn't yep. we? Um, which were epic. And and then I think me and you became mates and we went for a few nights out. And I remember we Honest was kind of getting to a point where we needed some marketing. And I think you were maybe looking for something a I was bit at my more, wit's end at Street Feast. Yeah, yeah something <laughs> a bit more kind of stable. Um and yeah, you came aboard. We had, we went yeah, I bumped into you at Gala, I think it was. Yeah. You, I think you were wearing snakeskin trousers. Well, they weren't snakeskin. They were... My word. They were basically... They're my festival trousers. Everyone should have a pair. They're, they're like very large sequins. So they're kind of like fish scales, but made of glitter, obviously. Right, right. Yeah, and I bought them at Best of All. Nice. They're the nuts. Yeah, I think, and then I, I'd, uh, yes, we, we last time, it was just a coincidence, we'd seen each other like maybe a week or two before, and then a, f- a friend of a friend said you'd been looking for a, a head of marketing for some time. Yeah. And uh, I think I just texted you, we went for lunch at Brindisa. Outside our South Ken restaurant. Was, yeah, more or less. Yeah, South Ken was just about to open. So was that number 14 or was it a bit later? What was South Ken for? You're better. About that. I feel it was yeah. about that. About yeah. that. Um, How many years ago is that then? You've been with us? It'll be six years in August. Six years. Yeah, a lot of burgers. Not burgers, but yeah. So it was, uh, it was a great time to come on board. And as over time, I've kind of migrated more to the food side because you know that's that's definitely where my heart is. And uh, it's been, you know, amazing. Amazing. What I loved at Street Feast was having this network of the best street food traders. I think there was a roster of like forty-five people that we we felt were good enough to trade at Street Feast. Forty-five mini brands, all doing the best in class for what they did. And now through through Honest, we get to collaborate with an even bigger network of, of these people from restaurants, you know, and, and up and down the country. You know, I always say that when we open a new restaurant, like in, in Leeds or or St. Albans, it's, a, it's a, opening the door to a new larder of ingredients and new amazing people. And the, the passion that you find in places like Hitchin, where I met these guys recently called Cause Burger, who are opening a restaurant there. Now, this kind of second wave is like there's, there's really interesting things happening in the regions. And mm. it's not just London. London's still the epicenter, of course. And Everyone's expanding. Burger and Beyond just opened a new restaurant on Old Compton Street this week. So it's, uh, but there's just, you know, we through the internet, everyone's been able to share these ideas, and ev- and now there's you can go and get a burger in a lot of great places. For me, what what was very um, kind of quite terrifying at the time was obviously all the menu development prior to you, you sort of stepping into that role because initially you were more marketing, weren't mm. you? all the menu development was was on my shoulders and i was like i remember i used to cycle around all of our restaurants and that was my 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 menu development time my headspace would be where i'd come up with burgers and i'd just think about what we wanted to do and remember you know we like we said at, at the beginning of this podcast our menu was super focused but because of that we always had a special a monthly special it's like playtime wasn't it yeah that was so that. let's talk about like the the birth of our of our special because i don't i don't know if we i think we did have a conversation in the early days we were like this is the core menu. Don't fuck with that. Keep it nice and simple. And then we've got a special box and we can just go to town on that. Because we didn't actually have a special when we first opened. I remember I saw a photo of our menu in the early days and it just said coming soon on it. So we didn't have a special. When not, we, when we land, not when we yeah. launched, no. We do have a photo, which we should show you, of our very first special, which is embarrassingly bad. Like It looks, it looks garbage. I think it tasted right. I think it tasted right. It was a red pepper mayo... With like a tomato and coriander salsa, and this like chorizo, like sort of no, slice with I would just slightly grill. I think it was I can't remember what cheese was on. It tasted good, but it looked garbage. 
So we started with that, and that was where we were like, right, so we've got, and now we've got a, a nice kind of um, space where we can we can flex our muscles a bit and and go a bit a bit to town, and that's that's what we did, right? And then that was when I started to really realize my passion for kind of creating food dishes, and and I really enjoyed it. We did some bangers, didn't we? Like mm. chimichurri. I think that was one of the chimichurri is a we're on about version four of that now, aren't we? That's the yeah. The first favorite. chimichurri was was the nuts. I remember that was like could we use brindisa chorizo, which is just the best. You know, you got you've got with, with chorizo is really important that you, if you just buy chorizo from the supermarket, it's not for cooking. Like whereas the brindisa chorizo is a raw product that you have to cook and it makes an absolute world of difference. Well, brindisa has been going for like 35 years and that chorizo spec was the first one they bought 35 years man, ago it and it stayed for the so whole good. Thing, you know, wow, four it, decades it almost. So damn good. Um and yeah, like shout out to Brindisa. We love them. We've done so many collaborations with them because they genuinely have some of the greatest ingredients. But yeah, so that was one of the good ones. So that was the chimichurris, obviously, chimichurri with Brindisa, Chorizo, and some manchego. Yep. Um Chipotle I think, mayo in there? I don't think we had Chipotle Mayo back then. I had some some uh here's a story. <laughs> Remember Silas? Yep. Big old, big old Silas. Yeah. Um so we had this we had the first time we had the chimichurri on. Um, this is really not PC, so apologies. But I had, um, we had a really, I think you said we should make it spicier. We should have an option for spicy. So I got some chilies, um, like really spicy chilies and cooked them down with some butter. And, and basically when you order chimichurri, we said, do you want it spicy? And, we, and I would spoon a load of these really spicy chilies on top. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. And if you cook chilies in butter, it, you, you, you dull the heat down a little bit because of the fat and the butter, but you still get all the flavor. Um, so it still wasn't spicy enough. So I was like, fine, went on to Google and found this, it's called boot jolokia, which is like, is that the ghost chili? Yeah, I, think, yeah, I think it is the ghost chili, yeah. Really punchy. And I, I bought this thing, it's 15 quid um, and it was a hot sauce and it rocked up <laughs> and it was in a bottle a about, pipette. yeah, genuinely, it was about two inches tall. I was like, fucking 15, I was expecting like a wine bottle, it's 15 quid. And I got this thing and I was and I I tried a tip on my tongue and honestly I was like in pieces for, for hours. I was like, this this is like proper sweats. And basically Silas, poor old Silas, he kept on coming to work stoned. <laughs> he just kept on doing it. And I kept on saying, I was like, mate, you keep doing this, you're gonna pay. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, he came in, his eyes were fucking red as hell. And I was like, right, come here stick your tongue out and then just took a fucking thing of this pipette and just swiped the whole thing across his tongue and just let and I was like right now let that ruminate and I'd send him home he was done yeah like, he couldn't work genuinely huh? like yeah. crying but he never came in stoned again <laughs> wow. that, that's a learned. story that's something you could yeah. not do today there is a story yeah I don't think you could get away with that today no I'm not sure you can get away with it Back, back then, then but, but, I, but <laughs> I did fair. so yeah so that's how that was you know how we created it and i, I want to give myself a shout out here because the best burger <laughs> the best burger that we ever made which is is not on the menu you know what it is grated black yes. pudding this is when this is when chef tom came to the top to the party it's true that was about as chefy as you got this is like this is full it was yeah, brilliant I, full I, ate, I ate that burger in brixton yeah, yeah, i okay. want to say this because you were i First met you as a customer yeah, yeah. because you guys did the whole street feast thing and I wasn't 
really so plugged into but that. Before Street Feast, yeah, I was, I was coming Because you, you, I remember you very well because you were gluten-free. Mm. And we had gluten-free buns from, from the Wag, from Wag yeah. Bakery yeah. just on the corner. Of the, you know, we used, we used to buy like six gluten-free buns a day, yeah, chalk them up on one of them. When they were gone, they were gone. And you used to come in and it was a big deal for you. And I remember thinking, yeah. wow, this is awesome, actually. Like we've stumbled across a gluten-free menu completely unintentionally, minus the bun, of course. Yeah. Yeah, because um, everything else on our menu was, was, was and na- still is kind of naturally, naturally gluten free. Yeah, and I know that you know we can talk a bit about that later. You know, in the way that still informs the way even we do our fritter. Stuff, but... Just just by chance, we use chickpea flour in our fritter. Um, so there were lots of things we just didn't use gluten. Yeah. So wasn't your wife Connie's sister was celiac? Wasn't she she was she was having um, like real bad stomach issues, and yeah, and then doctor said it was based basically you should try giving up gluten. gluten. Was it Doctor Shah? <laughs> it's good, good, good segue. But there. yeah, I remember you as a customer, and you had a you had your um, sort of blog, Twitter, Noshable Nosh- yep, Adam. Yep. Uh, and I remember thinking you were quite, a, you know, we we took back then they weren't called you weren't called an influencer back then, but mm. I dare say that's what you are now, as alongside as being a great taste judge. Yeah, yeah. Um, In the reverse order, great taste judge sits above. But you know, anyone who had blogs and was interesting writing about burgers and was writing about burgers, we we took that shit seriously. Do you remember the remember burger bloggers? Yeah, I mean they probably they do they probably do still exist. I just not sure. There was there was there was a. I'm sorry to all burger blogs, but your you know the the heyday of burger bloggers is is in the past. Oh yeah, they go those guys. Is it though? I don't know. Being a bit, I don't know. I mean, I I don't see them anymore. I still follow them, but I don't see them anymore. But people like. Hamburger me, yeah, hamburger me, Nick, Nick. That was Nick, yeah, yeah, yeah he, he yeah, had Nick's a card. A great guy. He, would, he had like a, he would drop. I think he had like cards that were like meet up, meet thumbs up or something. Or he would like drop. He had like a calling card, yeah. like the Riddler or something. He was great, man. And uh, Gavin Burger, Gavin, Act. Uh, oh yeah, Burger, Burger Act. Act. Yeah, yeah, he was great. He was a really um, nice Daniel guy. Young, we did. Uh, yeah, I remember Daniel yeah. Young. Yeah, Young and Foodish. Young yeah. and Foodish. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Liam as well, who's now at Bleaker for some years. He was Liam the Burger Addict. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he still blogs on. There was loads, man. You're always getting. There was always someone. Writing about that big, big influence though. Yeah, huge. Sure. And we really cared anyway. Yeah, you you were in that run for me, and I, I remember. And then the second time I met you was when we did the first street feast thing, and mm. I told you this story because yep. you know I'm not. You guys are more the marketingy kind of stuff. I like the opsy things, and I remember being really impressed because we were late. Your fault. Setting up, I got there and there was our stall looked like shit. Mm. And I remember you coming around and looking and getting really aggro and being like, "Can you get that blue roll off there, please?" And I was like. I'm impressed with this guy. This is good. Yeah. Like, well, National Burger Day was like my baby. Like we had the street feast every you know Friday, Saturday, but we would try and do food events in the week. And like Thursday, every Thursday, I think the third or fourth Thursday in August was National Burger Day, where it was like showcasing all the best. You know, and sometimes we even flew in people from like Philadelphia and stuff to do to do it. But obviously, like I was a you know fanboy of of Honest and you know wanted everyone it was amazing that everyone could stand shoulder to shoulder you know from the mother flippers and honest and even byron were involved in yeah in the byron first. had their big they had their, their big like airstream yeah, uh, yeah. Thing there. you know so it was great so i just wanted everyone to have like you know it was a celebration of this emerging burger like uh revolution that we were having at the time and uh i just wanted everyone to look bloody great and one of the, not good not i was i was gonna get bollocked from jonathan if it wasn't a so. completely yeah. kind of separate um, thing here but I, the best moment of my life was on my wedding day when we had remember phil when i had a burger pinata yep come down but generally the best moment of my life when that thing smashed and everyone was like chanting and it was like we had fancy dress inside the pinata mm-hmm. and i got that idea from yeah so i i loved uh so i got in touch yeah but i found 
this was yeah we we got the burger pinata in at the year one because we were looking for loads and loads of things so to good. do we, they were filled with these trolley burger sweets as well those yeah mini, yeah, like, yeah, yeah the little burger yeah, that was amazing <laughs> fucking delicious those they're sweets, so good they? they're yeah, so yeah. good but the um so we used to so that the lady uh, i can't remember her name now i think they were based in hackney this pinata company the first time she did it for us we uh we gave, oh, the, everyone, like, this was like, probably there was about, I think we sold two and a half thousand tickets. So there's a big crowd of mm. people. And I had this burger pinata on a pulley and I was pulling it up. We were like, re- like everyone was drunk anyway, but we were spinning them around. We were making it as wild as we could. And uh, I can't, yeah, the, the, the stick that she made as well. So anyway, so it was about ten, the 10th person to have a go and it was not breaking. And this one guy swang really, really hard and he whacked this lady's finger, which transpired to be the actual lady who'd made the piñata. He, he broke her finger. Oh, God. Uh, and she still emailed me the next day just to say she had an amazing time. <laughs> and she did, I was like, oh, God, I, she broke my finger last night. But she was like, despite breaking my finger, I had like the best time. This was amazing. And every year we bought one of those piñatas and you know, they're really, really cool. I'm sure we could do an entire podcast about Street Feast. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, X-rated. Uh, it's an incredible, inc- yeah. incredible yeah. thing. I and mean, what the genius of Street Feast always was that it was actually a bar. Yeah, just a big <laughs> what he, what, cash I think what Jonathan bar. Downey did, <clears throat> arguably very intentionally given his background, which was just genius, was actually he made you, he made a bar that people would come and would travel for mm. and then stay at for hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. You just don't see that. Yeah, you gen- genuinely, you you go there at... Six o'clock, and you yeah. might not leave till one in the morning. Mm. And it's like, yeah. and you yeah. might eat three dinners, and you might like everyone. And would, that's the whole just point. Go that's, yeah. absolutely, yeah, brilliant. And then you throw in bit but, pinatas yeah, I mean, and stuff, and it was just a great environment. And you were like, I'm just going to get here at four, and I'm going to stay until one in the morning. But I, I want to bring this back to, to honest, because like yeah. I said, we could talk about street feast for for hours. So for me, bringing you on board, and certainly when you started to take more food responsibility. I don't think I've ever properly told you this, but that was a that's the biggest thing I've ever passed over to anyone honest because mm. that was like 100% my baby and and my passion as well and I do I do miss it at times but you know as as the business has grown and and you know Phil and I's responsibilities have changed and what we work on it was really important that someone came on to, to manage our food, which is what you do now. You know, you went in our, your collaborations role is like coming up with all of our specials now, which have become a, you know, dare I say, you know, quite a kind of culty following now for our specials. Like they're a big, I know most of my mates, they don't even, they don't even order from a menu. They just come sit down, so I'll have a special, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that, I, that you know, I, I love the fact that we, we put so much work into our specials, right? Like mm. it's, you know, to change them every single month across 45 restaurants. And we've got local burgers as well, which we need to talk about. Like it's a big part of our business. It's huge. And the plant-based stuff now as well. We've just done our first plant-based special in yeah, uh, yeah. The Honest in Covent Garden. But what, talk, talk us through your first special then. So my first special, a... so I remember like this, this, this was bad. I mean, so I, was I, in... I, I, I gracefully handed the reins over to yeah. young, well, the first, young Obi-Wan. Um, I mean, this must be, we're going back four or five years now, I think. Um, so we had, uh, so yeah, I was, yeah, my first special, I was convinced for some reason that I thought the world needed a pizza burger. You know, pizza, sec- second, been most, second most popular food after uh, burgers, perhaps. And... In, in my defense, it was really good. Did, did the world need a pizza burger? Uh, the world wasn't ready. The world wasn't ready. Maybe they, but, maybe one day. But I remember it was a dark. It was a dark hole because I remember 
So I'll, I'll talk through the build of it first. It was um, so we had an Italian exec chef called Carmelo at the time, Spider, Spider Man, and uh, he he uh, you know I kind of thought maybe well he's gonna he's gonna be into this, but you know what Italians are like purists is that he was like you know you can't have a pizza burger, it's like it's just not a thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. He's from Gorgonzola, and like like all of it, Italians, yeah, they've got you know like carbonara is is either like this to the T or it's it's not yeah. carbonara and. So he kind of wasn't as on board as I hoped, but he introduced us to some great suppliers. We had Scamorza, so smoked mozzarella in there. We had uh, yeah. homemade marinara sauce. I think there's probably onions, maybe basil. Bit ba yeah, basil. basil in the marinara. We had some it? Yeah. parmesan maybe over the top. You know, it, had, yeah. it was damn tasty. It was really, like, really tasty. But I remember um, seeing the first week's numbers come in, and it was at least like half as half the sales of, of what the previous one was. I remember you calling me Tom and saying like, we're going to have to pull it or something. Like, what can we do? And I was like, well, why don't we change it? Why don't we call it the Italian? Cause we don't, you know, we've done specials in the past that were based on nationality. So let's change the name of it. Maybe it's the name that's, that's doing it. It turns out it wasn't the name. It was just, <laughs> no one wanted this burger, People even though it was ready. really, really tasty. You know, we wouldn't have let it get on the menu if it wasn't really tasty, but, um, but the name is super important, right? Yeah, really? Like now we know, important. like the name. I remember that the round, I thought he started it as calling like the Italian. Then no, he turned it, was... it into the pizza burger. We thought, let's just call it what it is. No, I thought it was, I think it was pizza first. Um, and I thought it was going to be amazing. I thought it was just going to light the social media on fire. And uh, yeah, it really didn't. And uh, I think we were like, we we let it run for the full, we, we, we were changing specials every three weeks, I think at the time. But even like week two, I think we were talking about, let's just put the tribute to bacon on or something. Let's do just, this, we can't, this is an embarrassment. And then that was, yeah, that was a tough one to take. And I can't remember what, what I came out with afterwards, but thankfully it's been up and up since then. It genuinely yeah. has been. Some of the specials we've done this year are the best we've ever done. But I think it's important to say, like, we generally, we know if, like now, with all of the data and all the history we've got, we know if there's a special that's going to be a banker. And we know ones that might not be, but we still want to do them because it's still, you know, working with flavours that people aren't necessarily really um, kind of in touch with. But they still taste amazing. And it's about pushing that boundary. So we want, you know, we want some bankers and, Tribute to Bacon's a good example. That was just all day long, right? Everyone loves bacon, <laughs> right? It's simple as that. And that was my, that, that way actually, I remember cycling along and I, I was listening to a podcast and heard about, um, there's a day in America that's like National Bacon Day. And I was like, well, that's a fucking great idea. Like, we need a burger to celebrate this day in America. And that was that. How much bacon can you put in a burger? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, really good. Well, because um, something I like about the specials that you kind of own, we have this, we've often had this phrase powered by honest, which we kind of talk internally. I don't think we've ever really sort of spread that further than than our own walls. But, you know, something I like about a lot of our specials is when we kind of collaborate with either smaller indie startups. I know that's obviously, as we've already talked about, as a big mm. passion of all of us, but particularly yours. You know, you've always been a champion of the kind of indie startup Um I really like that that we and 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 sort of not just maybe an indie food company, but you know like a supplier or a cheese deli or you know, I think we've done some really good. I always think of it cheesy chilies for example yep. as a as a really great example. And the the woman in Cambridge, Jackie, yeah, Cambridge cheese shop. Tell us yeah. a bit about yeah, that. Yeah, she was yeah. So that was uh, with 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 Jackie. We were buying cheese. The original Cambridge local special that we had was with a, I think it was a, with an apple and chutney. Or, or... Well, it's good. Uh, we should talk about the. You know, local burgers were literally born from Cambridge, right? Yeah, that, this kind of vibe, right? That this whole thing about us, yeah. like we opened our first restaurant out of London and we were bricking it because we were like, the last thing we want people of Cambridge to think is like a plucky London chains opening up. Um, and then to add 
fucking salt to the wound. We our property deal in Cambridge took about eighteen months, and in the in, in the between, we signed up for it and we opened a restaurant. Guys called Steak and Honor, who are really great, like proper homegrown um, Cambridge. They were, they were the local burger heroes. Yeah, yeah they yeah. opened a fucking restaurant like three doors down from us, and we were like, oh no, like this looks like. But from from the outsider, it looks like we opened After. our restaurant three doors down from them, which which is makes it look quite quite ballsy, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and we'd heard, you know, I'd heard. I think Meat Liquor did a pretty disastrous opening in Bristol, didn't they? Where they, you know, just didn't work out. I think people, the regional cities, and you know, big big cities now don't necessarily embrace things from London. Right? It was a huge. It was a huge challenge because it wasn't. You know, Meat Liquor had, had had their bad fortunes with Bristol, but you know, it was also Polpo in, in Bristol that had opened yeah. and closed. There was a, there was a bunch of London exports that had just not hit the ground running at all but our, our, our therefore our, our logic with cambridge we were like right we want to work with local cambridge suppliers mm -hmm. that's uh, that surely that's a good thing to do um and, and we 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 went for a walk around there and that's when we came across um cambridge cheese shop um and that's yeah we we had it, it was an apple and pear chutney wasn't it yeah i think so yeah and it was with the um baron bigot cheese the yeah, uh, Sussex, yeah. that uh, cheese farmhouse breeze literally amazing. my favorite cheese yeah is it yeah. bigger or bigger, by God? By God or bigger? Yeah, I think it's by. I, I say by God. By God. Let by yeah. God be by God. Shout out to Baron By God. It is the best cheese. It's like a really powerful brie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so we when we worked with Jackie, I remember going to speak to him. I was like, look, we really want to use one of your chutneys in our burger. You know, we we only need like ten kilos a week, and she literally like nearly fell off a chair. She's like, no way, not a chance. I can't make that. And she was making all these chutneys in her kitchen at home. So I remember we got our chefs to do all the, the donkey work for her, basically, like peel the onions and, and just give her all the ingredients to help her out. And then eventually she was like, I can do this. Mm. Yeah, that's great. That, that burger stayed on the menu for some time. We've had a couple of, of local specials in Cambridge since. Uh, you know, working, getting in with, so one of the guys we've just collaborated with recently was Gorilla Kitchen, who are, again, like Steak and Honor, Gorilla Kitchen, they're the two biggest yeah. players. And it is... Yeah, I always think it, I'm so grateful when these people are like, "Yeah, we'd love to work with you." And yeah, that's, same. That's like that's the moment. Yeah, when people say, "No, nah, I don't want to work with you," that's when we fucked up. Yeah, and that's never genuinely never. It happened. might not be that we fucked up. It might just be that we've got to a size, and we have to acknowledge the fact that we're not. You know, we're 45 restaurants. We're nationwide. We're probably not cool in a lot of people's eyes anymore. I don't know, but we we give such that's a, a great platform to to the, these guys, and I think well, the, look, I, I, to be right, and it hasn't happened yet, and I think it will. It won't happen for a long time because mm. of what you're about to say, to be fair. but Yeah. No, I mean, one of my, um, yeah, Manchester's a really good example. When we opened in Manchester, that was another thing. You know, Manchester's got a good burger scene, lots of local talent. Um, you know, obviously, the north, a lot of it's concentrated in the northern quarter. But I went up there and lived there for a week and just knocked on doors, chatted to people. And that's like a real, like, it's not, that's when people realize it's not the kind of boardroom burger brand that, that other, you know, chain restaurants can be. We were, you know, I was, you know, the, just having a personality there just to say, look, this is who we are and, you know, be an open book and say, we'd love to work with you. And, and also just, you know, saying we, we only want to work with people that we admire, like anyway. Yeah. So like just, it's, there's a mutual respect and, and uh, camaraderie. But I think there. it's good. Like it does take a lot of, of work and our finance team hate it because we've got basically <laughs> 45 and then some like very small independent suppliers that don't marry up with our, you know, finance software, our allergens process is, is you know, allergens are a, a super important part of any restaurant now. 
Um, you can't cut corners on allergens, but yeah. we, you know that that's the process, and we're committed to it. And I think it's the it's the right thing to do because we get both businesses get something out of this. Mm-hmm. Like we can show them this is what you need to do to to jump through hoops in terms of allergens, which for for yeah. smaller startup businesses can be quite a daunting prospect. And we get to work with amazing people that do amazing food, um, which is, you know, what, what we, we're kind of striving And, they, you know, they already have their following in, in Cambridge, you know, if it's Gorilla Kitchen or whoever. So it's a, it's a co-sign from day one. If you're a fan of Gorilla Kitchen, you should be a fan of Honest Burgers or, you know, whoever we might be working with anywhere. And, uh, yeah, most recently um, in Leeds, where we've worked with uh, Luca, who's Thick Sauce, that was a collaboration yeah. that, you know, we've had, we've had Leeds kind of in the back of our mind for a long time. Yeah. I remember when you said two words to me, and I was literally all in, you were like, barbecue sriracha yeah it's like yep that was a brainwave i just i just knew that there was good you know two hot condiments melding yeah. together <clears throat> um, that, well, that was a, last month special wasn't it that was last month special which is one of our best it's ever, and, and, uh, absolutely so good banger you know and having you know he does you know I, I love it when we there's been multiple times in in this uh, in our history where we have been the first time that a supplier has put something on a pallet or you know so, so some big thing like that and it's like a landmark moment for for them you know it happened when we did a collaboration uh, with a, uh, our friends uh, Hansenberger in, in Ireland, we worked with a local cheese that was close to them. Amazing product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd never exported before, you know. So it was like these, and she took a that video. That was for Guinness as well, wasn't that it? Was that Guinness, was with Guinness, yeah. And we, we she, she, she Instagrammed us a, a, a story of like a video of it recording it of this pallet of cheese leaving her her farm yeah and, proper uh, like rural yeah uh, island yeah exactly it? It yeah was... never you know real export strength cheddar it was um <laughs> so we we had uh you know even our you know our honest gin you know one of our first so bristol was another one yeah bristol i always said was like a food republic it was like you know very insular lots I of things was, i lost sleep over the bristol one bristol yeah, yeah, yeah kind of with, i think that was the one we thought this is going to be it was the first time where we sort of got the initial round of sort of press honest is coming and they saw the thing in the window or whatever and a few articles and in the comments it was like fuck off honest we don't need you here we don't particularly like me really, we don't yeah. really like london brands we don't really like chains but so. i remember yeah but do you remember <laughs> reading, like oh my god that, that's never happened reading some before. of the trip advisors afterwards with people being like i really wanted to hate it yeah but i, but really I don't liked it and yeah. it really pissed me off and i was like Okay. I think, yeah, and I think we've landed well in Bristol now. I mean, we're a few years in, obviously. Well, but yeah, it feels well, like Daisy, you know, Daisy's got a fucking good team now, hasn't she? It feels like we're part they're of the... They're always um, good, they're, they're good fun, Bristol. Yeah, Bristol's it does feel like we're part city. of the furniture there now, which is ultimately always the only thing yeah, we ever want to do. And every, every... My favourite special as well, Westcombe Dairy. Yeah, very, Cider. Very good um, dairy, they're amazing. Yeah, I think so. yeah, they're they're one of the very best. I mean, it's there. Talk about the Bristol Burger then. So the Bristol Burger is um, based on poutine. Yeah, Canadians, kind of very... close your ears, because we're, we're about to... Yeah, I mean, we, we, we kind of tip our hat to the purists. I mean, like poutine is just cheese curds and chips and gravy. And, you know, Canadians will just tell you that, you know, any deviation is, is, not, is not the real deal. We're, we're happy to not be the real deal. You know, we're inspired by that dish. And it's a very late night kind of dish, you know, yeah. drunk or, you know, got the munchies. It's that kind of thing. And, um, but yeah, we, we just went to, um, one of the, actually, it's really hard to get hold of cheese curds in the UK, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, Westcombe Dairy, they make it, and you know, we we I actually went down. I've been to see them before because they've got this brewery right opposite called Wild Beerco, which we were talking to for a while. But yeah, they they make this. You know, the, the key things about cheese curds is they're, they you want them to be squeaky and you want them to have 
almost they kind of not don't have a huge amount of flavor flavor because they they're quite kind of halloumi-esque aren't they? yeah the but they kind of when yeah. you get some hot gravy over them it kind of like loosens up and it kind of, they you know, are it's, it's an amazing epic. you've got that sweet spot when it's really hot and it's just yeah gooey and and amazing but we so we've kind of put our british filter on it working with more uh local brands so we have a it's a pilton cider which is in yeah. glastonbury they have um, they make this amazing like it's like the champagne of ciders and we're you know we they probably think it's sacrilege for us to put it in a bacon gravy <laughs> but we, we make a bacon yeah. gravy put a bit of this really like golden amazing cider in it and uh, shoestring fries which is kind of emulating the, the chips and uh, was it rocket and pickles or, or yeah. spinach and pickles uh, um, onion we put some onion, onion in yeah there's that. onion in yeah, there yeah. as well so I mean that's epic and you know it was. It, with, with some of that Pilton as well, he only makes a small amount a year and we nab it and that's that's amazing. Well, look, I think we're getting close to an hour now, I think. So, Phil, mm. Adam, mm. favourite special of all time? Ooh. Mm. I, you know, one of the ones actually, I'll tell you, there's sometimes... There's only the, one, uh, you only have okay, one. right. Okay. I'm going to say so the one that wisely. I can get. The one that's popping into my head right now is the is one of the ones that never quite made it which is the finsbury park which was with from the ashes ah, uh, who are our barbecue good. friends and you yeah, know still might still might make it happen but that was uh they made a sausage for us that was uh pork shoulder mince um and do your martini vermouth and the most insane chimichurri and i've ever tried in my entire yeah, life wow, I this one. that sounds awesome it was it was, it was, it was epic um, gorgeous yeah. yeah so okay from the yeah, yeah shout out to from the ashes give them yeah. a try phil Oh, so hard. You can go back to the vintage years. Yeah, that black pudding one will always have a place in my heart with the tarragon mayo and the apple ring. Apple tempura. Fritter, yeah, okay. Like little fritter thing you Chef-y. did. Yeah. That was good. Um, wow. Is it controversial to say uh, the Thai wingman? Uh, the, the Thai fried the, chicken. Thai fried. That was a record breaker at the time. That oh, was cut short good. by the pandemic. Because for me, fried chicken is is quite hard to differentiate just the fried chicken element. I think, yeah, you know, you, there is a difference between good and great fried chicken, but it's actually the it's the build that really yeah. sets a fried that chicken burger for yeah. me. Night market think, the, place in LA. That was an absolute yeah, that yeah. was an absolute banger. I think do you know what? There's a really simple no, mate, one that you, we've you done for a while. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm going for more than that. <laughs> there was one we did with guac, harissa, and. Uh, halloumi, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, and bacon. Farm. And it just, just does. I think sometimes talk about simplicity. Just it just did what it needed to do. It just mm. like bacon halloumi, you know that lovely little sort of seared. Yeah, that was brown that was crunchiness. Bellazoo, harissa, and just that beautiful Bellazoo, fresh avocado with a little kick of harissa. I think all of that together and that crunchy bacon. Oh, mate, the way you describe it, you should be a great taste judge. Yeah. Well, you might like the Moroccan burger coming coming soon. Oh, yeah, maybe, that is. Maybe the, when this lands, it'll be uh, time for a Moroccan burger. So. My, so my one is not on the menu yet. Oh, well, that's just... It's coming. Oh, I think I know what this is. Singapore. Yeah. I yeah. fucking love it. It's basically a little teaser. This is what I talked to you about. It's called Cereal Chicken. So basically, we... Yeah, yeah you mentioned this. It's yeah. a collaboration with the Singapore National Tourist Board, um... And I was going to go with Adam and James and I had to pull out. Um, so we took Pedro, one of our chefs, to Singapore. We've never done anything as flamboyant as this. Um, so the, the National Tourist Board of Singapore kindly flew everyone over to do what I would have assumed was just going to be a massive piss up and you were probably going to come back with a headache and hangover and that was about it. But actually you ate most of Singapore mm. um, and... 
there's a chicken coating over there called cereal chicken, which is cornflakes and oat flour. Um, yeah, it's a pre-packaged cereal. It is, it's, called, it's made by Nestle. Oh God, it's so good. It's the most like um, savory coating for chicken. Um, and we're doing we're doing a really great special mm. with that with some kind of like a smacked cucumber, which is like our pickles, um, and a sambal mayo, which is like loads of fish sauce and loads of is yeah. tamarind. So, and it's, uh, so there is it's just chilies, I think, but there's, there's chilies, garlic, oil, and then we make our own confit garlic mayo. We've got some curry leaves in there. Haven't C- we? Curry leaves are in the yeah. So the c- cereal cereal chicken is banging. Like, yeah, I mean it's a, it's already a deviation in Singapore. They have. It starts with cereal prawn, and this is like a kind of what kids have. It's like a very nostalgic treat. But yeah, prawns with the cereal mix and, and all of that. But then it has migrated over in Singapore to cereal chicken. There was, I think, on MasterChef Singapore, which I watched while I was over there, someone had done a, a cereal fried chicken, but I didn't know that until I was actually, I was watching it on the plane on the way back when we'd already kind of devised what yeah. we were going to do. That's um, great. But yeah, it's a, it's a great idea. So that's me. All right, well, we're going to wrap up now. Thanks for coming on board, Adam, being our Cheers. first ever guest. Yeah, pleasure. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening. If you've got any questions or you want to get in touch, please drop us a message. The email is podcast at honestburgers.co.uk. And then as always, give us a follow on TikTok and Instagram at Honest Burgers. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and thank you for tuning in.